You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church family. Hey, is anybody excited to be in church on Thanksgiving weekend in 2020? Anybody at all? Guys, in the strangest year of my lifetime, I am so thankful that we can still come to church, that we can still eat way too much on Thanksgiving, and that I'm still smiling even though the Ravens have lost three of the last four games. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful for at least two of those three things, that you can come to church and eat way too much on Thanksgiving? Anybody at all? Well, hey, it is a big weekend for us today because we are live online like normal. What's up, online family? But we're also live at all of our campuses right now, people. And so I want to say hey to our newest location, Bayshore Fenwick. Uh, Hey to Nick and Judy at Bayshore Fenwick. Hey to uh, the Ferruccios. Uh, let's, Let's all go to lunch after this. I'll head your way. We'll go to Catch 54. You guys can buy. It'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, I also want to say hey to the campus I grew up in, uh, the church, our original location, Bayshore, Millsboro. Uh, so hey to Howard LeCates, hey to Corey Phoebus, and hey to my mother. You got to say hey to your mom. You can never miss your mom, right? Um, and Millsboro, you just celebrated your 39th birthday as a campus this week. So you're like two years older than I've been alive, all right? And so, guys, can you just get extra rowdy for our newest campus, our Millsboro campus, and our online family? Just come on, Rehoboth. Just let everybody know we're glad to be with you. All right. So we are talking about family today because, well, some of us need a little pep talk after Thanksgiving dinner with family, right? And uh, how many of you had Thanksgiving dinner with your family, had some Thanksgiving with your family? All right, that sounds good. A lot of you did. Um, l- listen, we at Basia, we're going to talk about family because we all have a lot of different family dynamics. We have, we have big families here. We have small families at Bayshore. We have families that all root for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. All right, we weren't supposed to clap for that. <laughs> so we don't have all perfect families around here. That's my point with the Philadelphia Eagles. But we have a lot of different family dynamics at Bayshore, but there's two things that are the same for all of our families. Number one, all of our families matter. And number two, all of our families are a little dysfunctional. Come on, if you're sitting next to a family member, just look at them and say amen to that. Amen to that right there. But no matter how dysfunctional your family get-together was on Thanksgiving, one thing's the same for all our families, family matters. And so today, today, I just want to give you three tips so that you can thrive in and not just survive in your family no matter how dysfunctional it is. So I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you, um, you ate way too much on Thanksgiving? Like the pants you wore to church last weekend, they weren't even an option today. Come on, let me see your hands, all of our campuses. I think you like burn calories when you raise your hands. Just, let's keep them up for a while. Listen, I always eat too much on Thanksgiving. Did you know that the average person eats between 2,500 to 4,500 calories at Thanksgiving dinner? I read that this week, and I'm like, that's not that bad. 
until I realized that's like eating four to eight Big Macs at one time. We, Americans, we, we bought 20 million pies this week. Now, the only pie that really matters for Thanksgiving is pecan pie, not pecan pie, not pumpkin pie. I'm talking pecan pie, baby, with a little glaze on top, right? Oh, the Lord is good with that glaze. I love the glaze. Listen, I always eat too much on Thanksgiving. I went to my mom's on Thanksgiving. There was, there was less than 10 people there, so everybody just kind of relax. And my mom had turkey. She had mashed potatoes. My sister-in-law brought pretzel salad. Oh, my goodness. Who likes pretzel salad? That's like the sleeper on Thanksgiving right there, pretzel salad. And so I had a great time at my mom's on Thanksgiving. And I knew I was going to eat too much on Thanksgiving because I always eat too much on Thanksgiving. And so last Sunday, I said to my wife, I was like, hey, baby, I'm only going to eat salad on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. So on Thursday, I can eat anything I want to eat. And is that a great plan? You think that sounds like a great plan? But how many of you know that sometimes we have great ideas and then there's reality? And so the reality is on Tuesday night, I have barbecue ribs for dinner, okay? So I lasted one day. And I think sometimes in our marriages, in our families, as parents, we have great ideas, and then we have reality. Like, like for instance, I remember when me and my wife went on our honeymoon, we went to Jamaica. It was perfect. We laid on the beach. We went to these, like, fancy restaurants every single night on these, like, date nights, every single night, different themed restaurants. And I remember on our honeymoon, I thought to myself, me and Stacy, we are going to go on a date night every single week for the rest of our lives. Like, no matter what happens, we are always going to go on a date night every single week for the rest of our lives. And then we had kids. And then we weren't worried about having a date night every week. We're just trying to survive. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? And so, like, the last, we've gone on three dates in 2020, I think. One of those was the Chuck E. Cheese. And I'm like, I think it counts. It still counts, right? A date night for us right now is like I go to Wawa, we get subs, and then we watch Netflix. And if I stay up past 9 p.m., that is just, that's a great date night. That's about as romantic as it gets for, for a five and a seven-year-old when you have a five and a seven-year-old at home and it's 2020 and you're not really allowed to go out. And so we had a great idea. I had a great idea. We're going to go on a date every single week. And then there's reality. I remember before I had kids, I, I would see um, parents who put their kids on leashes. You guys, have you seen this before? And I remember thinking, like, I will never put my kid on a lease. Like, what kind of parent has to put their kid on a lease? Like, before kids, I, I thought this, and I thought, like, when, when I have kids, my kids won't want to get away from me. <laughs> my kids will want to run to me because they love and respect me so much. Like, we're never going to need to leave or have leashes. And then we had kids. And the first time my kid ran out on the road, I'm like, hey, uh, how much are those leashes? I remember a few years ago, it was, um, we went to the Bo- Bethany Beach Boardwalk for the 4th of July, and uh, my kids were celebrating their own freedom that night. They tried to run away from us like 17 different times. And I'm like, Stacy, we need to get two leashes off of Amazon. We need one for each of these kids. And um, now, we never did actually put leashes on our kid, but I have rocked a baby Bajorn. Any dads rocked a baby Bajorn on any of our campuses? You rocked it? Oh, Yeah. So they can't get away from you in a baby Bajoran. We actually have a picture of uh, me and our worship leader uh, wearing a baby Bajoran backstage. Look at this. Nixon is like four years old in this picture. But he's not going anywhere. (laughs) But isn't it true that in family, in our marriages, as parents, we have great ideas 
and then there's reality. Isn't that true? And we have these ideas, this is what it's going to be like, and then it's like, this is what it's actually like. And so base your Millsboro, base your family, base your Rehoboth family is messy. And the real reality is we all make a ton of mistakes in our family. And, and I think a lot of times we think if I get this little thing wrong and I get this little thing wrong in my family, then my family's going to turn out all wrong. And so I just want to encourage you today with this. We're, we'll put this on the screen, all right? Nobody gets everything right, but if you get the big things right, your family is going to be all right. Nobody gets everything right, but if you get the big things right, your family is going to be all right, which means, which means you're going to make a ton of mistakes in family. All right, there's going to be fights, there's going to be drama, there's going to be leashes. It's going to look like the Jerry Springer show sometimes. But I really believe if you get the big things right, then your family is going to be all right. And if that sounds good to you, just everybody at every campus say, I am down with that. I am down with that. All right. So I just want to show you um, three tips out of one verse in Micah today. And maybe you came to church today and you're wondering, like, God, what, what do you want me to do in my life? What do you want me to do in my family? Maybe you ask that question, what do you want me to do in my family at Thanksgiving? Because you're like standing there and your weird uncle was coming towards you. You know what I'm talking about? And you knew he was going to ask you a weird question because he always does. How many of you know that, like, and you were standing there, and you were like, God, what do I do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? How many of you know that every family has at least one weird person in it? Come on. Come on. Be honest. You're in church. Some of you are not raising your hand. You're like, I don't, I don't think my family has a weird person in it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you're it, man. Um, anyway. But if you've ever wondered, like, God, what do I do in my family? I want you to look at Micah 6, 8 with me, and uh, this is so good. Micah says this, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Pause. God, what do you, what do you want me to do in my family? What do, what do you want me to do in my life? If you're, like, asking that question right now, okay, it's about to get good, because you're about to get an answer. And so I, I want to read what, what God requires of us. And every time we get to the bold orange word, I just want everybody, every campus, just to say this out loud together with me. Okay, so this is what God requires of you to, to, and to, with your God. That is what God requires of us. And, and so you can, you can call me crazy, but I think if you start to do good, to love mercy, and to walk humbly today, your family, you'll start to thrive in your family and not just survive in your family. I, I think if you start to do good, love mercy, and you walk humbly, God will work a lot of the mess out in our families. And so I just want to break these three things down for you. Do good, love mercy, and walk humbly uh, in your family. So the first one, do good. Do good. So I saw this uh, good note on the internet this week, and it was from this little girl named Chloe who wrote a note to her parents, and it's, it's like an instant classic, this note. So we'll, we'll put this on the screen. Dear, dear parents, little Chloe writes, it seems you are both a little overly strict tonight. Therefore, I do not wish to read with you tonight. But if you change your attitude, I'll be glad to. Good night from Chloe Smith. <laughs> Isn't that good? This is called when the kid is acting more like the grown-up than the parents. That's what that's called. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you when your kid is acting more like the grown-up than you? Has that ever happened to anybody before? 
That, that, that's happened to me. I remember a few years ago, um, I, I was pulling into our house that we lived in at the time, and I'm a backer inner. Who, who likes to back the vehicle in? You like to think you're a NASCAR, so you like to back it in. Okay, we've got some backer inners, little preppers. You, get, you, know, you, you never know when you need to leave fast, right? And so I pulled up to my house, and our old neighborhood, the speed limit was like 19. You know how they always have this weird speed limit? This was like 19 miles an hour. So I looked in my rearview mirror. Nobody's behind me. It's only 19 miles an hour in the neighborhood, so I thought I'm good. So I start to back up my car. Now, I don't have a backup camera. I'm rocking a 2007 Civic, people. I got to go old school, which is like mirror over the shoulder, mirror over the shoulder, mirror over the shoulder. So I'm like, I'm like doing the backup thing. My kids are in the car with me, and I'm almost fully backed into my driveway when this Ford Escape. I don't know if it had escaped from prison or what, but this guy flew by my car, almost hitting my car, and my kids are in the car, and, and you know how you feel when your kids are in the car and somebody hits you? I'm like, you just messed with the wrong pastor, <laughs> and so I beat the horn. I, like, lifted my leg as I beat it. You know, like, I beat the horn. I yelled something that I can't repeat because we are in church right now. I just lost it, and my daughter from the back seat, she was like, Daddy, you just beat the mean horn. And you're not allowed to beat the mean horn. And I'm like, well, what, what is the mean horn? And she said, well, mommy says there's a nice horn and a mean horn. And mommy beats her horn a lot, but she says she beats the nice horn. But you just beat the mean horn, and you're not allowed to beat the mean horn. And I'm thinking, listen, your mom knows all about the mean horn, kid. Let me tell you. <laughs> but Nora was acting more like the grown-up than me. <laughs> and I think that happens in our families sometimes. And I think in our families so many times... We're like all worried that our kids are being right and our parents are being right and the cousins and the family, everybody's right, that the in-laws and the outlaws are right, that sometimes we lose sight of doing the right thing and being good. You know, and, and when Micah says, hey, do good, he doesn't say God requires that your kids are being good. Micah doesn't say that God requires that your, your honey bunches is being good and that your families are being good. Okay, no, 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 no. Micah says that God requires that you... Do good, that you don't beep the mean horn. Which, by the way, can you, did you know that, like, you can be doing good and everybody in your family can still be going off the rails? Did you know this? And I say that because so many times people have come to me over the years and have said, like, Joel, my, my person uh, that I'm married to or my, my adult kids or my aunts, my uncles, or my, 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 uh, all these people in my family, they're all doing, like, going off the rails and it's all my fault. It's, it's on me. I hear that all the time. And so if that's kind of where you're at, I just want to encourage you with something today. I think some of you came to church to hear this, that your self-worth is not based on how good everybody in your family is doing. Your self-worth is based on your good, good heavenly father, period. End of story. That's what it's about. And so if your family is going sideways right now, if your kids are going off the rails, if your parents are acting more like the kid, if it is like moral mayhem, listen, you keep doing good. You keep trusting God like crazy. You keep believing that how you're living today will impact and change their life someday. And you keep doing good. 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 Everybody say, keep doing good. So um, when I was growing up, one thing that my grandparents thought was good was the people's court and watching it every single night. How many of you remember Judge Wagner and the people's court? Oh, listen, I, I think Judge, I love that show. And I think Ju Judge Wagner is like, isn't that like Judge Judy's dad or something? Isn't that the case? Did I just start a conspiracy theory? All right, I just made that up completely. Anyway, 
I loved watching Judge Wabner in the People's Court in my grandparents' house. They watched it every single night. And I loved it because he had this gavel. And he just like hit that thing and it was the law. And so th- this, this Black Friday, you know, two days ago, I, um, I did a little Black Friday shopping for number one for me. And uh, I got myself a gavel, baby. Just to add a little drama to my house. But this thing has been amazing around my house because like all weekend long, I've been like, hey, Nora, pick up your shoes. Next thing, clean up your room. Hey, Stacy. Just kidding, you never use the gavel with your wife, ever, people, ever, ever, ever. But I love my my little gavel here, but I think if you want your family to do good, don't be their biggest judge, be their biggest fan. Now, isn't it easy to be like the biggest judge in the house and like go all Judge Wapner in your house and issue out verdict after verdict after verdict? Isn't that easy? To be like, oh, you're just like your father. You never clean up after yourself. Do you see this dishwasher? You know, or, or like, hey, could you, could you get your kid out of the Thanksgiving turkey? He's put his toy car inside the turkey for three years in a row. Could you get your kid? And isn't it easy to just kind of like lay out verdict after verdict on your family? Isn't that easy? But I think if you want your family to do good, don't be their biggest judge. Be their biggest fan. And you just find something to celebrate in your family's life. Like, oh, you just got a B in algebra. Look, honey, we got ourselves an algebra student who is smart. Honor roll student sticker on the back of your car. You know? And you say, like, hey, hey, you just got a raise at work. Look at you. Felicia just got a raise at work. She's buying lunch today, you know? Honey, we're having hot dogs for dinner again tonight. You're like a five-star Michelin chef with that that microwave. It's so good. I love these hot dogs. (laughs) And you be their number one fan and not their number one judge. Now, in in our house, um, we got our kids a karaoke machine for Christmas like two years ago. And, And parents, have you ever gotten your kid a gift and at the time you thought it was a good idea, but as soon as they opened it, you're like, what were we thinking? Does that ever happen to you? That's the karaoke machine in our house. Guys, two weeks ago, my daughter drugged the karaoke machine into my bedroom, turned the volume up to like Guns N' Roses level, and just sang into that thing for a week straight. Now, when when my kids got this karaoke machine two Christmases ago, I thought it'll last two weeks because that's how long every toy lasts. We're two years deep into this thing. And, like, my daughter has been singing Christmas carols into this thing for, like, two weeks straight. And, listen, my kids have been blessed with a lot of gifts from the Lord. Singing is not one of those things. But they don't care. They go for it. And and the person in our family who has to endure the most with the karaoke machine is my dog. And if you've not seen my dog, here's a picture of my dog right here. That's my dog. And you see those ears? (laughs) Listen, he hears everything. He can hear us right now talking about him right in this moment. (laughs) But I think Eli has permanent hearing damage from the karaoke machine. Like my kids love their karaoke machine, but I have made it a habit, even though it is loud and my daughter sounds like Axl Rose into that thing, I made it a habit for me not, for me to tell her or never to tell her not to, to sing in it. And so when she gets that thing out, I'm like, you go, girl. Sing it. Sounds like American Idol in here, all right? And I hope, you know, Simon Cowell doesn't kick you out. But listen, it sounds good. And I just like, I want my kids, 
and I want my wife to know I am their biggest fan. And if you want to do good in your family, be their number one fan, not their number one judge. And, and so you just find things to just celebrate. And so you say, honey, you're the best grocery shopper in the world. Instead of, really? You, you forgot my ice cream again? It's, it's on the list. You know, you, you, you say um, things like, mom and dad, thank you so much for putting me through college and putting up with me. Instead of like, really, mom and dad, you don't know how to use Zoom. You just download the app. You know, you, you say, honey, that was the greatest minivan lane change I have ever seen in my life. Instead of, I have never been so afraid in a minivan in my entire life. And so you just find something and you flip it and you turn it into good. You be their fan instead of their judge. Now, you, you might be thinking, Joe, I don't have the time and energy to do all that. I just had 25 people over to my house for Thanksgiving and I only like three of those people. And so like, you want me to be creative and find a kind way to say other things just because you and a guy in the Bible said, named Micah said that was a good idea. Okay, l- listen, maybe you think you're too tired to do all this. I am tired too. I have a karaoke machine in my bedroom. But let me just show you what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says this. We'll put it on the screen. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we now. Let's all say this on three. Millsboro, Fenwick, Rehoboth. All right. One, two, three. Don't give up. If you want your family to do good, to be good, be their number one fan, not the number one judge. And don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And you will reap a harvest of blessing in your family. Does that sound good, church? Does that sound good to anybody? I say you do good. You do good. Here's the the next idea, is you love mercy. Now, when me and my wife, Stacy first got married, we we didn't have any money. I I think we had like four legit pieces of furniture, and they all came from Mike's Clearance Center in Ikea. And that's it. Like, we were so poor, we had to go to our friends' houses to just see what double-ply toilet paper was all about. We had no money. We had no money. And I remember um, we splurged on one thing when we first got married. We went up to Ikea, and Stacy and I saw this mirror, and Stacy was like, I got to have that mirror over our, our um, dining room table. All right, that's what I got to have. And the mirror cost $99. Now, we didn't have $99, but we were like, we're going to get this mirror. And I remember we bought the mirror, and we're standing there, and I'm thinking, like, what are we doing? What do we think? We're rich or something? Like, $99 mirror. We bought this mirror. We got it home, and my brother lived across the street at the time, and so I, I remember I, I said to my brother, I was like, Tim, I need you to come over. We bought this $99 mirror because we think we're like bougie or something. We got some nice mirror. Come on over. And so Tim came over, and we're looking at the Ikea directions because it had like a bag of bolts. And, and if you've ever put together anything from Ikea, it might as well, the instructions might as well say, here's some bolts, figure it out. Like, there's no, it's no help at all. And so we have to pre-drill this hole into the wall to put this lag bolt in the wall. And so Tim, you know, he's pre-drilling this hole into our house that we could not afford that only has like four pieces of furniture that are actually somewhat decent. And my brother puts the entire drill head through the drywall. I'm like, I think my, my drywall came from Ikea too, all right? So like, I don't know. The whole drill head went through the wall. And my first thought was, I'm dead. Stacy is going to, she's going to take us out. And that's the moment that my wife, Stacy came home from work. Right when we put the drill head through the wall, that's when Stacy comes home from work. True story. She's coming into the, um, uh, through the, where the washer and dryer is, and Tim hands me the drill. 
I'm like, we are blood, Tim. Like, what are, what are you doing? And Stacy walks in, and, and one of the eight million amazing qualities about my wife is she has so much grace. And Tim, true story, he's trying to nonchalantly put his hand on the wall and, like, lean on the wall so he's covering up the hole. And Stacy walks in, and she's like, Tim, I can see the hole. It's bigger than your hand. But she said, guys, it's just a hole in the wall. It's just a house. And she said, plus the mirror is going to cover it up anyway. And she never brought it up again. Like, I'm married up, people. But I needed some mercy. How many of you ever needed some mercy in your family? You need some mercy sometimes. <laughs> Listen, we all love to be shown mercy. The hard thing is showing mercy. But I think one of the best things that we can do in our families is to show a lot of mercy and to show a lot of grace, okay, when somebody else gets something wrong. Now, when Micah says love, um, mercy, the word mercy in, in the original language in the Hebrew actually also can be translated as kindness. And so what would happen in your families if you loved mercy and you loved kindness? I think there will be a whole lot more love in the family, right? Now, why? Why? Because what you love steers you. My, my dad loves Starbucks. Any Starbucks fans in the room, Starbucks people? Okay, L- listen, my dad loves Starbucks, and if he's within 1,500 miles of a Starbucks, his Tacoma just magically starts steering towards Starbucks, and he magically shows up at Starbucks, okay? Or I call it five bucks, because everything costs five bucks, all right? But what we love steers us. And in your families, come on, Bayshore Millsboro, come on, Bayshore Fenwick, if you loved mercy and you loved grace, there will be a whole lot more mercy just magically showing up in our families because what we love steers us. And you're going to need some mercy if you put together Ikea furniture, let me just tell you. And here's why we should all love mercy. Because when we give mercy, we get mercy. And that's not just like, you know, a catchy pastor phrase. That's like a Jesus phrase. Let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7. Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be what? Show mercy. When we give mercy, we get mercy. And I need some mercy sometimes. Like, I remember just a couple weeks ago, I forgot my kids' lunch when I took them to daycare. Come on, dads. Who's done that before? No dads in this room. We got some perfect people in here. (laughs) Listen, I got to daycare, and, and my kid's daycare is in Gumboro. And Millsboro, you're in Gumboro, so you know all about this. Gumboro is the last remaining town that's further away from any grocery store left in the Western Hemisphere. There's nothing in Gumboro other than Bayshore Community Church. And so I get to Gumboro. I didn't know I forgot my kids' lunches. And I popped the trunk to get my kids' lunches. My kids get out, and we look in the trunk. And my daughter, Nora, said, Dad, did you forget our lunches? And I was like, uh... Now, I didn't forget my lunch. <laughs> I had my lunch. Gotta always look out for number one. So my lunch was in there. Um, but I forgot my kids' lunches. And my daughter, true story, she looked at me and she said, it's okay, Daddy. You're still a really good Daddy. And I just, like, melted in the parking lot in Gumboro. Th- then she said, just don't do it again, Dad, okay? I'm like, got it. <laughs> but I needed mercy, and I'm so thankful when I'm shown mercy. And, and listen, in your families, Bayshore Millsboro, Bayshore Fenwick, all of us here, when you give and you love mercy, let me just tell you, love starts to flow in the family, mercy starts to show in the f- flow in the family, and there's all sorts of kindness in the family. And that's a better family right there. 
And so you do good, you love mercy, and the last thing is you walk humbly. You walk humbly. Um, how many, where, where are the parents at in the room? Where, where are my parents at? All the people with bags under their eyes, right? Right? How many of you remember when your first kid was born? You remember that moment? All the moms are like, yeah, I, I remember. I gave birth. I, I remember it. Uh, my, my daughter was born right over at BB, and she was born on October 21st, 2013. And it's a moment I'll never forget. I remember seeing her for the first time. I was like, not crying. I was weeping, you guys. I was crying. I remember holding my daughter for the first time. And it was like, I looked at her, and I'm like, she's mine. And I just had this moment, you know, with her. And I remember holding her, and I, I remember feeling warm. And I remember thinking, like, I knew, like, I would love her, um, like, so much right out of the gate. I didn't know I'd physically feel warm. And that's when the nurse said, Mr. Tice, she just pooped on you. <laughs> I'm like, that's why I feel warm. That's it right there. That's a true story. And isn't that the perfect introduction to parenting? Isn't that the perfect introduction? That's, like, what it's like. But we, we were at BB, and we had a great experience at BB, and uh, we took a picture of us the day we left. Here's a picture of us um, the day we left the hospital. There's baby Nora right there. And one of the nurses took this picture, and the nurses were amazing at BB. I remember they, they helped us get, like, Nora dressed, because if you've never really dressed a, a baby, it is like, you're, like, putting arms through, like, can I push? I don't really know. And, like, the, the nurses helped us dress Nora. The nurses got a wheelchair for, for my wife and helped, like, wheelchair Stacy all the way down to the parking um, lot so that we can get um, Nora in the car. And, and the, the, the nurses helped us put Nora in the car seat, strapped everything in. And I'll never forget, the nurse shut the door and said, see you later. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. Like, what, what, you're going to leave us with the kid? Like, what do we, are there buttons? Like, what do we do with the kid? Like, parents, you remember that moment? Like, you just like, what do we do? And I think that's like family in general. Like, none of us know what we're doing. And I think humility in family is us saying, I don't know what I'm doing, and that's okay. I'm just admitting it. And I think the reason it's powerful to be humble in families is because when we're humble in our families, that forces us to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I need your help as a dad. I need your help as a husband. Maybe you're like, I need your help, God, as a grandparent or as an in-law or I'm the weird uncle. I need your help, God, as the weird uncle. And I think if, if God has favorite prayers, those are it. When we just come to him and say, I don't know what to do. So if you want to learn and to grow, it starts with, I don't know. Let me say that again. If you want to learn and to grow, it starts with, I don't know. Let me show you what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 4, verse 10. He says this, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will what? He will lift you up. And so, Bayshore, Hoboth, Millsboro, Fenwick, online, if you want to go up, you go down. You start by humbling yourselves. And humility is when you say, there is a God, and I am not him. And that's when he lifts us up. And so how, how do we make humility practical in families? I'm all about being practical. How do we make it practical? I think there's a lot of ways, but one way is to make what your family cares about what you care about. Now, my dad cares about tennis. Bayshore Millsboro, you know this. My, my dad has tennis rackets hanging in his garage. If his cable goes out for like one second, he calls Mediacom 17 times in 17 minutes because he's like, I can't watch the tennis channel. My, my dad has a 24 by 36 inch poster of his favorite tennis player in his home office. 
And there's like a little two by three inch picture of me somewhere in his home office. He loves tennis. And when me and my brother were born, like he wanted us to become tennis players. So he got us like tennis rackets. He used to put like tennis rackets in the crib with us. Like his dream was that me and Tim would become tennis players. And so me and my brother, we, we grew up and we became surfers. <laughs> and so one thing though, even though I'm not a tennis player, I try to talk to my, my dad about tennis every time I'm with him, okay? And, and my dad, I don't know what he's talking about. He's talking about like string tension. He's talking about like hard, true courts. And he talks about the, the scoring system. He's like, Joel, son, a zero, zero points is not zero. It is love. And one point isn't one point. It's 15 points. Unless you're a 30, then it's 10 points. I'm like, who came up with this scoring system? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But I always talk to him about tennis because he loves tennis, and he always talks to Tim and I about surfing, and we're all confused. But I think if you want to make your family matter, make what your family cares about what you care about. And so find out what your mom and dad care about. Find out what your husband or wife cares about. Find out what your, um, your kids care about. And you interview them like you are Gail King, baby. You just talk to them about it. You talk to them about the weather. You talk to them about video games, fishing, metamucil. I don't know, whatever they're into. And if you show your family that you care about what they care about, there will be a whole lot more care in the family. And so you do good. You love mercy. You walk humbly. And I think if you do that in your families, maybe, maybe you're the kid. You do that as a kid. Or maybe you're the, the adult. You're the parent. Okay. Maybe you're the, the cousin or the, the single person in your family. Wherever you are in your family, do good, love mercy, walk humbly, and there will be a whole lot more care in the family. I'll, I'll end with this. Uh, when I put my kids to bed, for years, I've been telling them the same thing when I put them to bed. Now, I, I try to mix it up because, like, they've heard it so many times. It's, like, on repeat. So, like, I try to mix it up for them. But Basically, when they go to bed, what, what I say to them is this. I say, Nora, if I can only have one little kid in the entire world, and I can choose from any little kid in the world, and I say, Nixon, if I can only have one little boy in the entire world, and I can choose from any little boy in the entire world, I would choose you because you're mine, you're special, and God is going to do amazing things through you. And I just have this moment with my kids at night when I put them to bed. I just, I just say this with them. Now, some nights it's harder to say that than other nights. Okay, like the other night, my, my daughter was running through the house teasing me. And she was like, Daddy, I'm an Eagles fan now. She's like running through the house like, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, not in this house you're not. You better just get yourself right. <laughs> but here's the thing. When my, my daughter's seven now, she rolls her eyes when I say it because she's heard it so many times. But when she's 17, I want her to know maybe she's going to be struggling as a teenager Maybe she's going to be struggling in school. Maybe she's not going to know what path to take in life. I want her to know that her dad loves her, that he is for her, that I believe in her, that I believe that God will do amazing things through her. And I always want my kids to know that no matter what they do or don't do, there's nothing they can do that can make me love them any more than I do right now in this moment. I want them always to know that. Now, some days it's hard for me to, like, like give them that moment, you know, like, this summer, I bought a brand new surfboard. The day I got it, my boy Nixon picked it up, dropped it, put a two-inch hole in it. I'm like, Lord, is this a test? This is a test. All right, this is a sermon illustration. <laughs> but I love my kids, and I always want them to know, like, I am for them. I love my wife. I want them to always know I am for them. I love my family. I want them to always know that I am for them. And, and listen, maybe your family's like my family. It's dysfunctional. Some of you are like, my family's a lot dysfunctional. But you only get one family. And so you got to love the family you have, not the family you thought you'd have. 
So how do you do it? You do good. You love mercy. You walk humbly. And there will be a whole lot more love in the family. And so if you're down with that base, you're Millsboro. If you're down with that base, you're Fenwick. If you're down with that base, you're Rehoboth. Everybody just give me an air high five right now. Let's do some air high fives. All right, let's do that this week. God, we're so thankful um, that you have given us family. And all of our families are dysfunctional. All of our families have different dynamics. But God, I just pray that no matter what's going on in our families, we'll realize today that they matter. And the way that we can show our families that they matter is by doing good, love and mercy, and walking humbly. And so God, I just pray that you'll remind us of that. I pray for strength in our families. I pray for love in our families. And I pray for a whole lot of kindness in our families. And just thank you for helping walk us through that and giving us the grace when we don't give it right, get it right. In your name, everybody said amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.